going to make an assumption and you tell me if I'm wrong. You feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I know it's true. There are always too many things to do and too little time. If you're like me, your boss will walk down the hallway and shout, go home, Beltran. That's why I am telling everyone about the 40-hour work week with Angela Watson. Angela was a guest on this very podcast back in season one, and she shared her ideas for managing your time, teaching, and stuff to help you make the most of your time at work while making time for home too. But that was just the beginning. In her membership, The 40-Hour Workweek, Angela helps you focus on what matters to have a purposeful and productive workday and then go home. Angela helps teachers find, on average, 11 hours a week that they can take back for themselves while still being a great teacher. The best part is that Angela has a new membership, especially for coaches. She partnered with my friend and coffee buddy, Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching, to create the 40-hour work week for coaches. Check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40-hour week and get your time back. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coaches. Welcome to episode 111 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. In this episode, we're continuing our theme of learning together with a solo episode. So far, we've talked about different types of PD and what makes each one great and not so great in episode 109. In episode 110, I chatted with a coach about how they have used Pineapple PD effectively at their school. Today, I'm sharing my PD planning process with you one step at a time. This is a beefy episode, so if you're going to want to listen while you're doing something else like walking or driving or making dinner, you're going to want to come back to this episode again later with a pen and paper to make sure you get all of the details. I also have a really cool download you can grab to get some of this information in a PDF format so you can use it when you plan professional development. You can get that at buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 111, So let's get started with our PD planning process. Our first step before we get started with any planning at all is to figure out what we're planning for. And that means we need a needs assessment. There are a few different ways you can take a needs assessment. Basically, you're trying to figure out what learning your campus needs next and what they can benefit from the most. There are a few ways to do this, and I recommend a combination of digging into data, getting input from teachers and admin, and visiting classrooms. You can learn more about digging into data in episode eight and conducting a needs assessment in episode 39. Our second step, once you have identified what your campus needs are, are that you have to get an idea of the topics that you'd like to share with teachers based on those needs. And then we're gonna set some PD goals for those topics. When we think of professional development goals, we think about what teachers will walk away with and be able to implement in their classrooms. Professional development is only valuable if it affects their teaching positively. And we know that the majority of PD stays in the training room, right? We provide teachers with learning experiences and then they go back and do what they were already gonna do for lots of reasons. And we'll talk a little bit about those later. For now, I just want you to think about what will that learning look like when it's being implemented in the classroom and how will it change instruction? Well, let's say you identified the need of number sets through your survey, classroom visits and data review. 
from there, you realize that students in your school school struggled with number sense as a foundational math piece. And through your classroom sweeps, you notice very little attention to this during instructional time. The closest thing you observed were multiplication sheets being sent home. And I speak from experience on this because that is a really common thing that schools go through. Teachers don't really have the time to dedicate to number sense. And even if they did, they wouldn't know what to do during that time anyway to build student number sense. So instead you see lots of rote practice, but that doesn't mean that they're developing the foundational understandings and concepts that will support them in, a, in being really good at that rote practice and applying that rote practice into problem solving situations. So based on that, let's think about one or two goals for your professional development. Of course, how big your goals are depends on how much time you'll have to provide the learning. And we'll talk about planning your calendar next, but just keep a roundabout time frame in your head. Do you have all year with multiple full day workshops to address this idea? Is this something you can devote three after school hour long trainings to? Or is this something you'll have to develop in small increments of time during PLCs throughout the year? A sample goal based on this area of need could be teachers will implement a number sense station in their classroom during math workshops or teachers will add a 15 minute block for number sense to their math time, modeling different strategies for building number sense. Or maybe teachers will use a variety of number sense strategies with students during problem solving. It really depends on what you want your teachers to walk away with and approximately how much time you'll have to spend on that workshop and, and professional development and learning with your teachers. Step three includes building a PD calendar. Putting together a PD calendar can be sort of daunting. I, I totally understand that. Time isn't always on our side, right? And trying to make sure you get the, the professional development to the teachers at the right time can be easier said than done. So let's talk about the main goals of having a PD calendar for the year. And you can kind of think about what that might look like on your campus. One of the reasons we're going to have a calendar for our PD is to help learning grow logically throughout the year. The second reason is to meet the needs of the teachers on your campus when they need it. School calendars are very unique. If you think about it, they sell special calendars for school planning <laughs> because nobody else really follows that same, uh, that same flow of things from you know, July, August through December and then closing up in May, June. Nobody really follows that calendar except for schools. There's a seasonal quality to schoolwork that isn't present in a lot of other things. So you have to keep in mind what your needs of your teachers are going to be at different times in the year so you can plan PD that is supportive of them at that time. You also, three, number three, the main goal of the PD calendar is to give them time to implement a piece of PD before you throw something else at them. So if they've learned one thing, you wanna give them time to implement that in their classrooms before you say, oh, here's another thing you could do. The easiest way to put together a PD calendar while addressing these three goals Seriously, it's going to blow your mind because it's not that hard. You're going to get a calendar, like a paper calendar, nothing digital because that's going to be too hard to go back and forth from month to month. You can even just print a blank one out as long as one month fits on a page. It doesn't have to be fancy. That's The point is not that this is going to follow you around all year and that you're going to use it. The point is that this is going to be a planning tool that will help you prepare your PD calendar and think about where different things can go throughout the year. Now you're going to mark important school dates on that calendar, like holidays, testing dates, and big events like science fair. Note opportunities for professional development that you already have built in, such as in-service dates. 
I know that whenever I was a coach, we had a couple of in-service days at the beginning of the school year, and then we would also have one or two throughout the year. We also had half school days, half days throughout the school year for professional development. We didn't always have control over what went into those days, but they were opportunities that we might be able to slip something in if we needed to. You might also mark after school trainings. For example, at my school, we had every single Thursday, Learning Thursdays. Learning Thursdays were professional development learning opportunities that happened every single week. Around testing time though, those got taken up by testing and how to administer the test and testing security and getting calibrated for scoring writing pieces and all of those things that we all love so much and look forward to. <laughs> but basically those days were gone. So you have to mark on your calendar what's available to you to play with and what's really not. You can mark early release days, any other learning opportunities. PLC days might be on there. If you do an annual book study, your book study could support your, your goals if you're going to align it that way. Mark those PD opportunities that you already have. Then at the top of a piece of paper, you're going to write the topic teachers are going to learn about over the long term. So for example, in my number sense example, I'm putting on there number sense. Then I'm going to write a list of all the smaller things teachers will need to learn about in order to grow along the way. So this can include opportunities to grow like book studies and coaching sessions too. So my number sense example, maybe I'm going to need teachers to learn about the rationale. Maybe teachers don't understand what number sense really is and how it can be supportive. Maybe we can talk about estimation as a concept for number sense or number lines. We can share different activities. We can use different problem solving models to help teachers understand how number sense applies to problem solving. These are all different things that go under that big number sense umbrella that I'm gonna want teachers to have time to learn about so that they can really best implement this practice in their classrooms. Now we're gonna use little sticky notes. So, so far you've got your big calendar where you've got all of your important dates already marked on there, holidays, all that sort of stuff, testing. Then you've got your PD opportunities marked on that calendar. And you have a piece of paper with a topic list of all the different trainings or learning opportunities that teachers are going to need in order to get good at that big topic that you chose for your goal. Now we're gonna get these little sticky notes. And it's even better if you cut them in half. On each sticky note or half note, write one of the pieces from your list. So one little sticky note might say activities to go in stations. Another sticky note might say rationale for number sense. Another sticky note might say how estimation relates to number sense, that kind of thing. Sequence your sticky notes in a logical order of instruction. Put them in order in the way that you would like to roll it out to teachers to best cultivate their understanding of the topic over time. Then use the calendar to schedule out the sessions through the semester or the year. So you're gonna take those stickies and stick them where you think they should go. If you have a full day in service marked on your calendar and you can dedicate the whole day to this topic, you might be able to put two or even three stickies on that day. So maybe I can put rationale, estimation, activities all on that one full day. If I only have a half day or after school trainings or maybe 45 minute PLC times, I might only be able to fit one or two if they're tiny, really specific things like multiple activities. Maybe one of my PLC times is going to be learning about number lines and how to work with them. Another one might be using 10 frames or manipulative. I can focus those PLCs on something very targeted as opposed to a longer day that might include a lot more opportunities to read and think and talk and brainstorm. Be sure to give teachers enough time between each 
new learning that you're giving them or that they're learning with each other to try things out without letting things go for too long. So it's kind of a balancing act. You wanna make sure they have new learning fairly regularly so they keep watering that plant, but we don't want them so close together that they don't get time to implement one thing before they see another thing. It also helps to figure out which accountability pieces you'll have in place after each new learning opportunity. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that too. Step four, this is a big one. This is a really good one too, because I usually do not share this in-depth planning process, but I really want you to have it if you need it. So we're gonna talk about how to plan your first PD opportunity. And I'm going to share a framework that I recommend that you use. If you have a full day PD, you'll be able to build out certain components into larger chunks of time or give people time to investigate more or learn different methods. If you have a smaller PD, you're going to have to adjust this framework to fit into that smaller time period. So you'll have to choose one thing and really focus in on that one thing. So here we go into the framework. It's a good one. I can't believe I'm sharing all of this. It's a lot of information, <laughs> but I think you're going to really appreciate it. And I think it'll help you as you're thinking through the next professional learning opportunity that you have. The first thing you're going to start with is choosing a learning target. Some of you might already be rolling your eyes <laughs> and I get it, but here's why I think it's so important with professional learning opportunities. One, you're going to align your targets with your goals. This will help ensure that every single thing you do is focused on the target, which supports your goal. Two, and this is a big one, when you post a learning target, teachers learn exactly what it is that they're walking away with. So if you post today, I will learn three strategies I can implement with students during my number sense block, teachers know what they're doing that day. And you're probably saying, yes, we know, this is what everybody says about learning targets and why we should implement them with students, right? But I'm telling you, it really does matter for teachers. They know in this case that they're getting three strategies and they're supposed to put them in their number sense block. If you don't have a strong purpose for the PD, teachers don't always know what it is that they're walking away with. I've shared this example before, but I'll share it again because it's so true. I was in a guided reading training once years ago when I was a teacher, and the presenter was sharing what seemed to be a random collection of activities related to reading. I mean, maybe I missed something. It is possible, highly possible, <laughs> but maybe it was just kind of a wandering sort of PD, right? I felt lost and I was unfocused, but then I noticed our handout. It said three things you can do to prepare students for guided reading. And I realized that was the whole point of these activities she had been sharing. She wasn't verbally saying it. She just jumped right in without any purpose is what it felt like to me. Until I saw it written out, I didn't see what she was getting at. But once I saw that, I was able to hold on to that learning in my brain and implement it in the classroom. So choosing a focused learning target really is important. Let's say you decided for a half day workshop, your learning target is going to be teachers will learn two number sense activities they will use in their number sense station. So let's say that's our target for the rest of this piece. From there, we wanna choose some kind of stimulus that will answer, why are we doing this? Why is this important? So we want some rationale for doing the learning. And then we wanna learn something that will actually introduce the concept really in, you know, in a good depth where teachers can understand what it is that they're learning about today. So for example, your stimulus that will answer the question, why are we doing this? Why is this important? It could be a model, like sharing student work that shows the need. 
It could be data. Don't just use data by itself. That's my advice to you. I know people love to use data and it's true. It's important and it tells us a lot. But the first thing that people will do whenever you share data in isolation is they will excuse it and they will justify why that data does not represent the need that you're thinking it does. That is a very common issue that people have with data. So you're gonna to wanna to pair it if you use data. If you're showing data, you know, it, it could just be irritating, but you can use it to justify the need that teachers are maybe not seeing whenever you pair it with student work or an opportunity to talk to teachers and think back to what their students do in the classroom whenever they're met with certain problems. If they can really reflect and think about what's going on in their classrooms, then the data will be very helpful. So you can pair it with one of those things. Then you wanna match this with something that introduces the concept. So now they know why they need to know it, but they need to know what it is, right? So it could be an article. Keep it short. Some people don't like to read in large group settings. I've been told this before. I love to read in large group settings. I would be happy if you just let me sit there and read the book all by myself and didn't make me talk to anybody or do any group work or ask any questions or anything. But everybody does not operate that way. This could also be a video demonstrating the concept in action. Whatever you choose to use to introduce the topic and the concept, it should really introduce the idea and what it looks like in the classroom. Teachers often struggle to visualize something that doesn't match the way that they've done things before. And this is not uncommon. It's not just an issue with teachers. It's an issue with people in general. We have trouble envisioning something that we have never seen anything similar to. So we wanna make sure that we paint them a picture of what it can look like. And that's why videos are especially helpful. You wanna provide teachers with a tool to document their thinking, and then they can use this to share afterwards with a partner or a team. Definitely build in time here for teachers to share their learning and extend it into how it could impact their classrooms. If they've written something on a response tool you've provided, for example, now is a great time to use it. So if you ask them to write five important ideas on index cards as they read, they can share them out with their team. Together as a team, they could identify the five most important ideas out of the whole group. If you need to build common language, which we usually do, this can be a good time and place to pull vocabulary out of the video or article. You can do this using a word sort or graffiti. And I describe these strategies in very deep detail in episode 40, six must use strategies for professional development. Check that one out if you want some different ideas for jazzing up your, your professional development with new strategies. From here, you can model something. When you model, ensure that teachers are understanding that this model can be applied into their own classrooms. Sometimes that's an issue. We have, we have teachers who listen and participate, but then they don't think about, oh, I could actually use that. Have them participate in the lesson. For example, if you're working on your number sense activities, you can build a hundreds chart together or go through a number of the day routine with a 10 frame, number line, manipulatives, and whatever other tools that could benefit the students. Things that you want teachers to become comfortable with so they can use them in their own classrooms. Once teachers have participated in something, it's important to give them talk time. Sentence starters work really well here so you can focus the discussion. This could sound like one way I can do this in my classroom is, Another activity I know of to build number sense is, one thing I'd like to try is, any of those help teachers start to envision what it's going to look like in their room. 
and connect it with ideas they may already start having or may have had in the past. Building up that connection to implementation in their classroom helps to ensure that this won't end up forgotten the very next day. If you have time at this point, I always recommend having teachers explore their current materials for tools they can use to implement these ideas in their classrooms. Have them pull out their math textbooks or intervention kits and see what number sense activities they can find that are already put together. Ask them to choose two over the next two weeks. Some people also do a make and take here, and that can be a really fun way to use that time. However, I implore you, if you are doing a make and take, make sure that teachers are making something that they can make in completion and they will make the amount that they need to use it in their classrooms. The problem that I often see is people do a make and take and they make one sample and then teachers have to go back in their classrooms and make 21 more and they don't do it. It's not gonna happen, especially once the school year is underway. So instead, if you are having teachers make something they can use, have them make one game they can use with a station activity. Have them make a model that they can use with a model on their projector. Have them make tools that kids can use, but it's enough sets for the kids to actually use them. If you're gonna do a make and take, be really thoughtful about making something that they can actually take and implement right away. In closing, you wanna build that bridge again to their classroom with a commitment. And here are some ways to do this. You can ask for a sticky note that states what they plan to implement this week. It could sound like this week, I will. You could have teachers complete a green light, yellow light, red light response. And it sounds something like one thing I plan to continue doing, that's a green light because you keep going. One thing I might think about different, doing differently, that's your yellow light because you kind of yield and slow down a bit. One thing I'm going to stop doing, that's obviously your red light because you're gonna stop. Another fun response is the shape up your thinking response. This and the traffic light response are actually included in my PD toolkit for coaches. And I'm going to link that in the show notes in case you need a resource to help you plan and roll out your PD. In shape up your thinking, you give teachers a document that has a circle, a square and a triangle on it. They respond to these written prompts. The first one with the circle is one idea that is circling in my mind is the next one with the square says an idea that squares with my thinking and the triangle says three points I want to remember. It's a cute way to have teachers respond to their learning. Now here at the end, refer back to your learning target and ask teachers to share about it. What two activities did they take away today? And then ask the big question, what do you need from me to implement this in your classroom? You can give options or you can leave it open-ended, but you have to ask teachers to think about what they need from you so the intention is there. So now the PD has ended, but your work has not. <laughs> According to Bridge, after one hour, people retain less than half of the information presented. After one day, people forget more than 70% of what was taught in training. And after six days, people forget 75% of the information that was in their training. That's a lot of loss. And I'm sure you've seen it to be true. We provide a workshop on something new and teachers are excited to try it out, but then we never see the learning implemented in the classroom. This can be for a few reasons. One, they don't have the materials. Two, they can't envision what it would look like. Three, they don't know when they're supposed to do it. Or four, they forgot. They just forgot. <laughs> it's important to plan a follow-up support system for your professional developments. 
Your follow-up plan needs to address support, reminders, and accountability for implementation if that's the expectation. This can look like sending out a survey to make sure the teachers have the materials that they need. For example, if your number sense activities encourage the use of dice, make sure teachers have dice. It can look like popping in and asking how things are going. It can look like taking a picture of the numeracy station in action in one classroom and sharing it with a grade level. And it can look like asking teachers to bring in samples of how they've implemented the learning in their classrooms to a PLC and giving them sharing time. I actually talk about this in my course, The Confident Literacy Coach, because it supports you in following up on new learning and in teacher implementation of new ideas. It could also look like you modeling a strategy in a classroom and taking a video to share it with other teachers. The possibilities are endless, but there needs to be a proactive plan for supporting teachers in an ongoing matter or the learning will be lost the majority of the time. I know this might've been a lot of information to kind of jot it all down quickly, and I, I hope that you didn't get overwhelmed today, but that instead you feel excited to try out a different way of planning PD if this looks a little different than something you've done in the past. My next steps for you are to grab the free download, Planning Purposeful PD. You can get the step-by-step -step process and a structured agenda for planning your next professional development. I'm also throwing in the traffic light response, so you have at least one response activity ready to go. If you want to learn more about this idea, I have other episodes that could be really helpful to you. Episode eight is digging into data. That's the one that I, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. If you're conducting a needs assessment through data, you need to know what to look for. And this episode will give you some things to think about. Episode 39 is three ways to conduct a needs assessment. And episode 40, six must-use strategies for PD. You can also grab all of the resources that you need in the PD toolkit. This is a coaches and, and administrators toolkit that you can grab in my TPT store. Go to teacherspayteachers.com and find my store, Chrissy Beltran or Buzzing with Miss B. You can search for either and it will pop up and grab the PD toolkit. It includes so many tools, surveys, forms, um, printable handouts, guides that you can use. It gives you tips for planning PD. It gives you forms for conducting a needs assessment. And it includes all kinds of activities that you can use with teachers during professional development, regardless of the content that you're teaching. In the next episode, we're continuing our theme of learning for all with a special guest. Jessica Vance is going to share about her upcoming book about using the inquiry model. We'll talk about her inquiry framework, how she supports teachers in learning something new, and some of her favorite questions for getting teachers to reflect. Until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.